welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we came off a weekend of cornhole in Virginia Beach that I can't wait to get into. Mostly to brag about being right again, which gets old. I mean, I don't know if I can handle any more wins in my hot take. Okay, takes. time out, time out. <laughs> Mish, Mish wins the cold take again. Jesus. <laughs> that, that was a stacked <laughs> field. You cannot say that Mark Richards and Trey Birchfield weren't on your mind, right, as winning. Come on now. Wasn't that obvious? But before we get into that, <laughs> Michelle, I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell all these pros that brag about these open wins. Do it when it matters. Do it when the big stakes are on the line. I got to call a national to get any street cred amongst you. I got it. I got it. Well, you wait. You just wait. All right, Trey, how was your weekend? Anything exciting besides a lot of cornhole? Uh, no, I, I mean, I finally had a football game that I could watch that I was happy with. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's good. fine. Um, uh, no, yeah, no, other than that, it was just mostly, uh, had family Christmas photos. So I had to dress Ooh. up. Oh yeah. Spray champagne everywhere. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> Is that actually fun? It seems like fun in theory, but not really. In uh, assuming my wife listens to the show, it was the best time of my life. Got it. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> Anthony? Uh, yeah, in a, in a previous life, I was a, um, I was a, as high as you can go in the restaurant business waiting tables. So thousand dollar bottles of wine, you know, multi thousand dollar bottles of champagne. So that reminded me of the opposite because, you know, you can't open a $1,500 bottle of champagne and the smallest, you know, little bit of bubble or, or, or content come out of that thing. You know, it's like $10 a drip. So I got really good at opening high-end bottles of uh, champagne for a while. So that would have been a big no-no back in my no, day. No spillage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, my exactly. my my eight-dollar bottle of Andre was. Yeah, you're not worried about it. Goodbye. <laughs> That's awesome. Still uh, tastes great with some OJ in it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I haven't thrown bags in days. Uh, didn't throw any bags all weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Just a lot of uh, you know. Christmas stuff, trees, decoration. So um, I'm sure I'm going to throw bags sometime this week and feel it feels like if I go a couple days without throwing, I just take like two steps back. Like you got to you got to stay on it, at least at my level. I'm not good enough to just be able to like stop and then pick it back up. So uh, I'm kind of bummed about that, but I got to get back. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Remember I was saying I was like try, I was trying to play more. I was trying to like throw outside my office. I haven't thrown in like two, three weeks. And like last Friday, I pulled out a set of bags and I threw four bags and I threw a two and I went back in my office. I said, Done. I this anymore. That's, uh, that's the first like throw. I don't think you count that as like meaning anything yet. But, but, but you know, you know that there's a difference between warming up and it not feeling good, right? There's a yeah, difference, okay. right? It yeah, didn't yeah. feel good. It, it felt like good. I just learned how to play. It was like, oh, my God. oh no. Okay, well, yeah, definitely need some more time. And uh, these pros, man, they're playing six, seven nights a week. A lot of them. I mean, it's that's that's a lot to compete with. But we had some amazing cornhole here in Virginia Beach at the Virginia Beach Field House. Uh, big shocker on the uh, finals there in singles, huh? <laughs> Alex Rawls, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? 
Alex Rawls did take the win there uh, in doubles. Eric Davis and Fisher Hamilton in second place. The Noahs, Noah Almanza, Noah Wooten. Women's, once again, big shocker, Cheyenne Renner. Oh, I'm sorry, Cheyenne Bubenheim. First win as the Bubenheim. And seniors, Joey McGuffin takes the win. In juniors, Eli Porter. And for our blind draw, Tom Walter and Michael Dingus. So lots of um, incredible wins there. Some surprising, some not at all surprising. Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just find it funny that I tweeted, kind of tweeted this out alluding to it. It was after all this, right? It was the biggest open air ever. And like all these different people like, oh, watch <laughs> out for this guy. Watch out for that guy, right? You have the number one player in the world against the number two player in the world in the finals. Yeah. And, and then in doubles, you have like, Eric Davis, who's like one of the best doubles players ever, like again in the finals. The partner was different. Fisher was, you know, you know, obviously he's a rookie there, but then you got no Almanza, no Wooten. Like it, it to me, it was almost it almost reinforces the idea that some of these pros go, yeah. I'll hang out a little bit, you know, I'll go in an open, I'll throw a little bit. Uh, you know, I did okay. I went, you know, three and two, four and two. And then you say, okay, biggest open ever, biggest tune up for the pro season coming up that you're going to have biggest stakes of the season so far and all the top level pros go, okay, yeah, let's, well, we're going to, let's focus a little bit this time. And then sure enough, you see what happens, right? Of the eight, eight final eight you had seven pros right the only one being caden allen which again i could jump on my soapbox again about caden allen but i'd be beating a dead horse there but um everybody was everybody was locked in we got an opportunity to see some new pros come in um you know i guess starting on singles i thought chris kingsbury and berkeley pair in particular and Jeremy Frazier saw their draft stock shoot up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys were were absolutely locked in. I, Cheyenne Bubenheim, right? Uh, that's still getting weird to say. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not right. Take, not a take a minute. Take a minute. But like she only lost to Jeremy Frazier. And in both of those games, she threw quite well. One of them, she had a 10. Six seven, I believe, points per round average. And you know Cheyenne. Everybody knows Cheyenne. She's a bag runner, right? That PPR, unlike some players, when you evaluate how Cheyenne is playing, it is directly correlated to her PPR, right? We can't say the same about Eric Davis. Eric Davis could throw a 9.4, and it could be the best game he's ever played. Yeah. Cheyenne Renner is not going to throw the best game she ever played throwing a 9.4, right? So – we look at Cheyenne, and that 10-6-7 tells you she is right there, and she loses, right? She loses again to Jeremy Frazier. If she didn't have to play Jeremy Frazier, she's undefeated on the day, right? So, um, But Jeremy was so locked in. Chris Kingsbury, how many bags did he put in the hole in a stretch? And I think he just got to Mark Richards and ugh, ran out of gas or something mm -hmm. because how he played – I didn't get to watch the game against Caden Allen, but I was following the statistics and it was just like Caden Allen was doing what Caden Allen normally does. Yeah. And he just couldn't get him to miss. And Chris Kingsbury just wouldn't miss. So, um, you know, I thought those three in particular, 
Duncan Clemmer, another one of those guys. You put him in a regional here, and he'll, you know, eh, whatever, right? But you tell him it's the most important event of the year so far, and he shows up, and he plays at a really high level. He makes that final eight, too. So, um, But in the end, it's it's in, on singles. It's, it's Mark Richards v. Alex Rawls. Alex Rawls gets a little bit of revenge. He gets to take that number one spot for the time being, but um, – I think I think Richards ran out of gas. Anthony, I know what he's going to talk about with Richards. He'll talk about the shot selection with the rolls, maybe too much roll, too too much rolling. I agree to an extent, but I also think he lost the first game of the day, and he played 15 games yeah. over seven hours, and I think he was a little bit of he was a little burnt out. So, um, in the end, though, Alex Rawls put on a clinic of how important it is to have bags around the hole, right? Yes. Alex Rawls is not a fan of the short block, but he throws that deep block better than anybody in the yes. world, right? That deep block that's hanging in the hole. He says, look, go ahead. You can push it in. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to prevent you from going in. I'm just going to make you do it four times, right? And now I've taken that slide shot percentage from 85%, from 90%, and I've brought it down to – 68%, 72%. So you're still going to do it at a very high level, but I'm going to continue to make force you to make mistakes. He did that better than I think I've ever seen him do it before this weekend. He also did our new coin slot, which was always a fun <laughs> thing to watch. <laughs> Anthony, what Anthony do you think? clipped that one. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I love your point about the, uh, you know, Rawls' ability to stay around the hole. I think that's the recipe for success is controlling, I call it your bag on board speed. Not necessarily throwing intentional blocks because we know blocking is one of the most underrated, difficult bags to throw. You have to control your left to right and you have to control your distance. If you just shoot at the hole with controlled speed, you will naturally block on accident quite a bit. You're going to come up three or four inches short on a hole shot and it's going to be a great block. And that's what Alex Rawls does. Mark Richards, really good at that as well. And I think that's a recipe for success. But real quick, just a quick picture uh, before I get into the details of doubles. Just want to mention that PPR does not get it done again in singles. I thought this was an interesting stat. Alec Ryan and Caden Allen finished as the leading team in combined PPR. So the highest doubles team PPR took 13th in their bracket if you flip the coin on that and you look at that you know of that offensive versus defensive minded approach and you look at the dpr you got wooten and almanza you know getting it done with dpr and Al and almanza really absolutely destroyed his opponents all tournament with the 20th ranked ppr um he if you look at scoring and who actually was successful between the two players Almanza by far, I think get a DPR of like one or something like that, but completely outscored his opponents with that stat. But yeah, doubles, I definitely wanted to kind of follow Davis and Hamilton's run through the tournament. I thought it was a really fun story and, and really kind of told the, the skill that these guys have. They have a bye in round one. That round two was just a dominating warm up against Alan Rawls and Chris Kingsbury. I do want to mention that Davis and Hamilton played only pros through the entire open, but a warm up because they take those guys down 25 to five. Davis absolutely destroyed Rawls in the matchup in that doubles matchup, winning his side of the board 17 to two. 
So he was responsible for almost all the points in that one. And Hamilton really matched him on that side. So they came out hot at the beginning. He only missed three bags in that entire first game for those guys. Um, Mish, question for have you ever have you ever stood next to Hamilton? No, I have not. This, this oh. is, he is a big kid. He is a big kid, six foot four inches, and wow. he's wide. So he is just—he's a big kid. And when you stand next to him, isn't Caden Allen really big too? Like tall? It Caden's taller, but Fisher Hamilton is—he's a big he's a full, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's a linebacker, man. He's—he's he's a big—he's yeah. a big guy. He's a big guy. But um, yeah. So they get that win. They go on to round three, and even more dominating uh, in that in that third round. Take down the Cobb brothers, twenty-one to one. This is pretty crazy. Digest this for a second. Hamilton pitched a three DPR against Tice Cobb, a three. Oh. So oh, no. for those for those not familiar, the highest average in the league last year in DPR was about a point eight. So to hit a three, you're talking almost four times the average high. So essentially, if they're playing a singles match, that game's over in seven rounds. And we see mm -hmm. matches average 16, 17, 18 rounds. So completely killed his side of the board. Round four was their first legit test in that doubles tournament. They pull a Matt Guy and a Jamie Grant Graham. Eric Davis carried that win versus Matt Guy on his side of the board. Hamilton doing just enough to squeak out the win. He gave up most of the points in that match, but Eric Davis really carried him across that one. Round five, you pull a trending up team, a team that we're talking about as a potential top 10 doubles team, Jimmy Humans and Kyle Malone. This one is a good one. I mean, you're talking about draft picks. You're talking about where are we putting top 10 doubles teams? This is a must watch. The match came down to the side of the boards of Humans versus Davis. So you, you have to break this one up into two halves. First half, Jimmy Humans holding his own. He was up six to three, and then the wheels fell off in the back half. 12 to zero in the back half, in the back half of that, of that game. And that's not even accounting the 11 he gave up in round four. Now, you know, the game's kind of over. You just chuck your last few bags. Didn't even count those, but gave up 12-0. That takes him on to the king seat match. Must watch match. If anyone wants to go back, check this one out. American Cornhole League Facebook. You got Harbaugh and Power to take the king seat. Uh, Davis and Hamilton were down 18-11. The, the round that really turned that one around was insane. Um, of course, it's Eric Davis. Hits a backside drag bag airmail. This is all in the same round, by the way. Hits a backside dra drag bag airmail. Keeps his block in play. And it set up the nastiest bars. So if I'll drop this one later today on Twitter or Facebook or something like this. But he turned what was a 99% of players are going to look at the round and they're going to go, okay, I'm going to go on and get my three. Might have been four, three or four points. Or, or I can throw this laser of a bar of soap and squeeze eight points out of it. That's exactly what he did. Pulls eight points out of that lead change up 19 to 18. Comes back to Harbaugh and Hamilton's side. Harbaugh has to hit a drag bag airmail to stay alive. And then Hamilton shanks his fourth bag off the back on a push. Game over. So that drops Hamilton and Davis down to the loser's side. What do we get? We get a rematch. Humans Malone. They get a second shot at this one. Really close. 21 to 18, but was significant in this one. We get Davis's floor performance for the day. Now, when we say floor, if you look at a 7 PPR... You're going to go, oh, crap, he got his butt whooped. 
Not, not the case. He still had a positive DPR. Trey, tell me any pro that's going to throw a seven PPR and outscore his opponent. The only guy could do that has got to be an Eric Davis, right? <laughs> I mean, that was a, too many bags congested around the hole on that. Exactly, exactly. But getting up to that king seat match, so that they win that one. Um, double dip scenario, right? They got to beat Harbaugh and Power twice. They went to another level. Hamilton threw an 11.14 with a BG carpet in game one. Davis comes right behind him in game two for the double scoop. Davis throws an 11.5. Trey, when was the last time you saw Eric Davis throw above an 11? Stop playing. I, I don't think I ever have. It hasn't happened. I have never seen it happen. But congrats to those guys completely. Uh, it was just It was just an awesome tournament to watch for those guys to run through doubles. The crazy thing about that double bar soap when I was watching it, like the bags were kind of like dripping over the hole. Like, I mean, just looked like an impossible, I mean, it's Eric Davis, but like an impossible shot. It was just no great. doubt. I'm like, how did they, I don't even. Magic. Like, magic. <laughs> He's magical. Well, yeah, we know this. I'm I'm his biggest fan to say that all the time. So I was really no. excited. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hot take, hot take of the, uh, of the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm Eric Davis's biggest fan. All right, let's move on to overreaction Monday. And I'm going to read some things here for you, and you let me know if this is an overreaction or not. First one being, Fisher Hamilton is now going to be the first ACL rookie taken in the draft. What do we think, Trey? Gosh, you know, they're trending. Like, if you if I try to overanalyze this, I'm looking ahead who's got early picks. you got the Woodchucks, Aviators, Cutters, Marauders, Sliders. Really like the sliders to take Gavin Cano. But after what I've seen so far, it's just like, how can you look at that, look at what's out there right now and not say Fisher Hamilton is one of the best 20 players in the world right now? I just right. don't know if you can say that. And if he's one of the 20 best players, he should be the first overall pick, right? I don't think he goes number one overall, but... I think right now you got to take him over Gavin Cano. I think you even take him over Ryan Wiedenfeld. So I will say not an overreaction. Anthony, yeah, perfectly, agree? yeah, perfectly aligned with that. Not an overreaction. Uh, I'm just going to stick with my day one pr uh, predictions. I had Hamilton as rookie of the year. I had Hamilton as my number ten in the world. Yes, Wiedenfeld and Cano right down, right there. The only way he doesn't go as a as a as a, as a pick, the first rookie pick is if there's a relationship there. If there's right. a, you know, a Wooten trying to grab a Kano or there's something, some tight connection, a chemistry that they think will, will, will work out well. That's the only way he doesn't go first. All right. The top four from last season will be the same top four this season. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, number one, number two feels like it, right? Um, yeah. I really, I'll say this is an overreaction a little bit, but I don't think it's that far off, right? I think we may say Matt Guy. I mean, Matt Guy hasn't really impressed me so far at the beginning of this season, so maybe he drops a little bit. But I think I think the point of the the this one is really just to understand, though, the people who were good last year are still going to be really good this year, right? And yeah. we can't no necessarily doubt. write them off of a, as all these people that are going to jump in and, and, and take over. So. I'll say it's a little bit of an overreaction. They're not going to be identical, but um, you know, don't don't be surprised. Anthony, 
Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, if you look at my top five right now that we dropped a couple weeks ago, these these are my top five. There's only one player in the mix, Tanner Halbert, just so we can create some discussions, you know, just to do something different. But there's a lot of pressure on this list from guys like Harbaugh, the entire rookie class. You know, Graham struggling right now with a shoulder injury. He was throwing that football. He took, what, second to last at the last Open, last place at this Open. How is he going to come back from the recovery? That's the other piece of that. If Mark Richards keeps rolling bags, I'm definitely going to overreact on this one. But uh, overall, I think I'm going to def- I'm going to agree overreaction. How about Chris Kingsbury will be a finalist for Rookie of the Year? Wow. <laughs> you know this one's tough. I, I I like Chris a lot. I'll say it's an overreaction for now, knowing that I'll be happy to eat my words if this continues. Right. I just haven't seen the sustained success. I've now seen in two different opens, Kingsbury really excel at a very high level. But at other times, I've seen not anywhere close. If you want to be the rookie of the year, you need to have three, or even in the conversation, you need to have three solid national performances. I need some consistency. So I'm going to say a little bit of an overreaction for now. Okay, Anthony. This dude showed out this weekend, uh, definitely put himself on the map. So I don't know when I think about these things. The first thing I ask is how did he qualify? Cause that's going to give us, you know, a good level of, of talent. If he came in through an application and eh, not so much, I mean, there's a few players that might not fight fit that mold, but, um, how did he come in? He qualified in the open standings, utmost respect for a player that comes in through the open standings. It's a grind. It's, it's consistently showing up to get those points. Um, last season, he was in the bracket final in singles at open number six. There's a check mark for there. Let's look at some stats. I looked at those. He's in the top percentile at the elite level in stats. So I'm now I'm like, whoa, I'm kind of buying into this guy. Trey, ha- answer me this. H- how many people are considered finalists? Yeah, so the ballot can have anywhere from three to five people, depending on because usually the ballot, the way the ballot is set is there's a line drawn, right? Every single year, there's an obvious line to be drawn. I know for a fact it will not be more than five people. I know for a fact it will not be less than three people. If there's only three legitimate people that are in the conversation, then it'll be three. But if there's five legitimate people that have a shot at it, it'll be five. The guy checked all the boxes for me. I'm going to assume we're going five. I'm going to say not an overreaction. He's going to be a finalist. Okay. Nice. Eric Davis is the best doubles player in the world. You know how I feel about this one, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like I've changed my mind like three times thinking about this one. Like, is he, is it, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, what, a year ago, in which Eric Davis won like four straight doubles events or something like that with four different partners. I think Kyle Malone at times has had that moniker, right? But right now, when I think about a pure doubles player, I'm not sure there's someone that is time and time again executed at such a high level. I will say not an overreaction. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, uh, if we kind of give it some thought right now, you know, coming to mind, a Noah Wooten who continues to be success with multiple partners. Uh, Harbaugh himself, always mixing mm-hmm. it up with partners. 
blind draws even always successful with just random people um this season alone it's kind of early but i definitely want to give him some credit alec ryan um gosh he's finishing top five in almost every doubles event i think this week this this open was the first time he didn't finish in the top five in a doubles event but i'm gonna agree with trey on this one uh, not an overreaction davis davis is definitely there all right, last one. Noah Wooten and Noah Almanza should have been pro doubles partners. The Noahs. What do we think? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say not an overreaction, and it's nothing against Duncan Clemmer or Hunter Thorne. I just, th there's obviously a chemistry there. Something works, right? And I, I, I have yet to see that. We still haven't seen Duncan Clemmer and Noah Almanza play together, right? right? We just still haven't seen it happen. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll say not an overreaction. I I, I kind of wish I was was seeing Wooten Almanza this year. Anthony, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, even for for uh, for Noah Almanza's sake, it's a hard yes. Like like you said, I think the chemistry is tight with Noah. No disrespect to Clemmer, but Wooten's just different right now. Um, they had a chance to throw in the open this weekend. I don't know why we didn't get an Almanza Clemmer. I mean, you're running out of events. It's their first time together going to be at National One. That would just Seems like it. blow my mind. Uh, we got Myrtle Beach out there. I would be shocked if we didn't see him play together in Myrtle Beach. Um, so not an overreaction. I would love to see the, the Noahs. All right. You heard it here. Moving into ner nurse, news around the league. <laughs> and uh, we had our league. <laughs> I know. Well, we are too. <laughs> Let's be honest. We are a bunch of cornhole nerds. Our Midwest Conference, uh, number one in singles, we had Alex Hicks. In doubles, we had Carson Getty and Ryan Wiedenfeld. And for the Southwest Conference, singles was Sammy Soto. And doubles, Jacob Foreman and Matthew Creek Killer. What do you think, Trey? Real quick point, I just looked it up. Duncan Clemmer and Noah Almanza are playing together in Myrtle Beach. They are. Oh, it's confirmed. So, okay. okay. So I was able to confirm that. Uh, news around. So, yeah. Um, first on the mid thoughts for me in the Midwest Conference, Alex Hicks, that gives me a lot of confidence. I, like Anthony, was starting to get a little bit worried about this trend I was seeing from Alex Hicks where he wasn't executing at a high level. It wasn't an open. But seeing him play at a high level, and when you look at the number of players that were in that Midwest Open, it was not a bunch of bums, okay? You had some elite-level players there that he had to go through and get the win. So that was reassuring, at least from my perspective, to see Alex Hicks get a win. Only other thing um, worth mentioning, uh, great to see uh, Creek Killer and Foreman get back onto a podium I think that says that, hey, we're still around. We're still here. We're still yes. throwing at a really high level. So was impressed to see both of them uh, get a win at a conference. Any last minute thoughts there, Anthony? Yeah, I completely align with what Trey was saying. And Hicks went through Ryan Wiedenfield to win that conference. Yes. So that is, that is huge. Um, that Southwest Conference is stacked. I mean, look Nasty. at that. Nasty. JVJ, Turpin. Creek Killer, Chamberlain, AJ Sims, Kano, Grindersleeve, Batson, Caleb Franklin, Costanza. Those were just a couple quick ones I pulled off the list. But that is who's competing in that. And who wins it? Sammy Soto. <laughs> uh, legit player. A legit player. He's probably not on most radars. Um, I believe he's a non-pro, as a matter of yeah. fact. 
So um, he goes through Kano. He has to get AJ Sims twice to get to the uh, bracket finals. I'm not sure who he pulled once you got into the black bracket playoffs, but big win for Sammy Soto out of that conference for sure. Huge. All right, let's talk about some draft sleepers. Uh, you guys are going to provide us with three ACL team draft sleepers or value picks that people won't be expecting but will be really great for their teams. Uh, we'll start with you, Trey. Who do you got? Yeah, so I, I could have gone with some players that were top picks, but um, I kind of wanted someone that you're going to get in that fourth round, fifth round, something along those lines that you feel like you're going to get steal a win here. Uh, first one is... I feel like we talked about this guy in this type of position a lot, but I got Donald Cup on my list of sleepers. Right? The Don I know. I'm telling the you. Donald. He just, the Donald. I was looking at his statistics. I'm like, this guy is elite. He's legit. Right? He, he, you know, in senior standings, he's top three. I mean, the guy just, he knows how to put bags in the hole and it doesn't look pretty. And he's a quirky guy. Yeah. And it's just like, you got to worry about team chemistry, but like push all that away and just look at what the guy does. Don't watch him. Don't you know. He's just going to produce results. And I think yes. he's someone that's going to the fly under the radar. And I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good pick for somebody. Um, next up, I have someone here out of the Rock Hill region. A currently, uh, since uh, mid-November to the beginning of the season, when I pulled these numbers, a 9.82 season PPR. I know PPR is not everything, right? But 9.82 for someone that's not a captain, not going to be a first-round pick, probably not going to be a second-round pick, that should be someone that you have your eyes on because that's going to get immediate value to your team, immediate production to your team, putting a lot of bags in the hole. That's Travis Purser. And on the season. Let's not gloss over that. On the season. Yes, he's on the averaging. season, not one tournament. Yes. So that means he's consistently, he's having multiple tournaments in which he's throwing above a 10. Yep. That's the only way you're realistically going to sustain that high of a, of a high nine PPR. Then a last one I did not have on my list until I looked purely at statistics. And what I did was I covered all the names and I only looked at statistics. And this person, and when I got to a, 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 a stat that I liked, I said, okay, who's that? Someone a 9.68 points per round average, okay? Again, not saying they're gonna be a first or a second round pick, but when you look at the rest of the names that are at a 9.6 level, Almost every a nine six eight level, every other person I looked at was like, okay, yep, okay, yep, okay, yep, I got it. Like I knew who they were. This person stuck out, stuck out. Jeremiah Hector, someone that I did not have on my list at Damn all. It. Oh, and I steal all of Anthony's. This is great. you stole all my sleepers, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this guy just jumped off the page for me. I was like, this this is something that I didn't anticipate, and so. I think the, the captains that sometimes can push out names in order to kind of look at some some producers as far as PPR goes are going to be impressive. So, Hector, and I got a half of one, half of one that I want to give here. We talked about this, this person all the time. She is a great player, but something is different over what I just saw this past weekend and even some results in the past month 
And that's Miranda Coy. You and I have, we've always talked a lot about Miranda Coy. She beat Brett Guy pretty good this weekend. She made it pretty far in her bracket. Again, not someone that you're thinking first or second round, but there's more. I think Miranda Coy has a chance to produce as a member of a team, not just on the women's side. She really has an opportunity to play at a high level. Anthony, you got anything left or is that just it? That's the list. Man, so people out there, we have 300 people to choose from. And we picked two of the same three. So clearly they are sleepers. Clearly they are sleepers. I'll, I'll just start with the first two that we overlapped. Jeremiah Hector, uh, just to back up some of what you were saying, in addition to what you were talking about in PPR and DPR, this guy's grinding. He's in the top 3% of the most played regionals, conferences, and nationals. I think that is a check the box. If you're not only a top player statistically, but you're out there constantly playing that is a huge uh, huge mark for me um just to kind of back some of your dpr and ppr stats out of those 300 potential draft pool people he's 19th in dpr and sixth in ppr so statistically he's up there he's definitely on my radar uh let me go down to donald cup um i also agreed with the donald cup pick i was curious trey i went back to last season and said where did donald cup get picked in the draft last season because i do think he's an underrated player mish just a guess like in the 50s and the 60s and the 120s like where would you think donald cup was picked out of the whole pool of players i think i think like the hundreds like deep he was picked 181st donald (laughs) cup what yes I couldn't believe it either. I was like, what? He was still there at 81st. That's you talk a about a value pick. You talk about a value <laughs> pick. 181. Capital V so, value. Completely agree with you, Trey. The dude fills up the hole. You got to take away the, you know, the the unique technique. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it nicely. Um, it's, it's not pretty, but the guy fills up the hole. I think he would be uh, a good sleeper pick. The one we didn't overlap with, uh, this is a rookie pro this season. He had a strong finish at open number one. He took fifth in doubles. He's a high PPR and DPR guy. I love when I see both. So it's a win-win. As a matter of fact, if you look at both PPR and DPR, in both categories, he's better than these players. He's better than Justin Burton Jr. in both categories. Ryan Smith in both categories. Lucas Jr., Dave Sutton, and the list goes on. That was just a few I grabbed. Um... I think he's a second or third round talent. If he's still available in seven through nine, a huge pickup out of Georgia. I've got uh, Byron Sisson. Are you familiar with this guy at all, Trey? So a little bit. And part of the reason I picked Jeremiah Hector is because Hector and Sisson play in the same regionals. And Hector has been beating Sisson. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So... Yeah, so you've got the Georgia sliders out there. Hey, you've got two Georgia players on the sleeper list that just came out, and you've got Wooten, Clemmer, Yacklin. They've got that pick. So the hard part, I think, is going, as a captain, how long do we sit on these picks before we do right. we let them go another round? Do we let them go another round? And you can't get too risky and miss your chance. So the hard part's going to be when do you grab them? Yes, all of us that play fantasy football know that that real <laughs> reality <laughs> very well, as serious as that is. 
All right, let's talk about our pro team schedule release. We've got some details here for you. I'm going to hand it over to you, Trey, to uh, let everyone know what's going on with that. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, team schedule is, is really what do we have this year? We have an opportunity for every team to play on a broadcast. So we know now the eight team matchups that are going to be playing on a broadcast. We know all of these, right? So the first, um, and these are not necessarily in order, but these are teams that will go head to head on CBS sports network throughout this season. Okay. Uh, first we have the Michigan Marauders against the California slingers. So Michigan so, you know, we got the team of, and I think I got all these teams kind of pulled up here. So if we go, you know, the Michigan Marauders that we have right here, they're going to take on the Cali Slingers. So we got Michigan there. We got Cali right there. So, again, we're waiting to see exactly how the team lineups come together. But in the end, um, we'll have Michigan versus Cali. Next up, we will have uh, the Missouri Maze. The Missouri Mays, led by Ryan Windsor, Isidro Herrera, and John Fuentes, they're going to be taking on the Carolina Coasters. So it's a tough draw maybe uh, on TV for the Missouri Mays, but the Carolina Coasters, Jamie Graham, Eric Davis, and Trevor Brooks going to be leading that team. They're, they're going up against the Missouri Mays. Next up, we have the Las Vegas High Rollers, led by Tanner Halbert, Cody Henderson, and Hunter Thorne, they're going to be taking on the Devin Harbaugh-led Pennsylvania Ringers. Pennsylvania Ringers here. So um, another team that's going to be tough tough to beat here. Um, but we'll have the Ringers versus the High Rollers. Next up, we will have the Arizona Burn. The Ari Oh, and I don't have their – oh, no, there. The Arizona Burn, they're going to be taking on – the New England Woodchucks, New England Woodchucks. So this is uh, talk about difference in style there. It's like everybody that can roll a bag and anybody that wants to stay as far away from a roll bag as possible. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, then we have the Florida Freeze, the Florida Freeze led by Alex Rawls, who just won the Open. They are going to be taking on the Colorado Timber. So there you go, Anthony. Your, your Colorado Timber are going to yes, have sir. to take on the Florida Freeze. Tough. Tough first draw right there to take on the Florida Freeze, but um, something tells me they'll be they'll be up to the task. Next up, we have the Kentucky Colonels. The Kentucky Colonels, led by Matt Guy, Damon Dennis, and Jim Glasscock, going to be taking on the Virginia Cutters. So the Virginia Cutters, which I don't, which my graphic is missing. So. But that one's led by uh, Justin Stranger, James Washington, and Leston Allen. So the Colonels versus the Cutters. We have the Ohio Aviators, which I apparently am missing as well. I missed two of them. Ohio Aviators going to be taking on the Texas Bully Baggers. So the Texas so Ohio Aviators going to be Trey Birchfield, Noah Almanza, Matt Abernathy taking on the Texas Bully Baggers, Ernest Menarca, Eddie Grindersleeve, and Dylan Turpin. And finally, last but not least, the Georgia Sliders that we talked about. I'm missing their graphic apparently as well. Uh, no, they're right here. Georgia Sliders, Noah Wooten, Hunter Yacklin, Duncan Clemmer going to be taking on the Chicago Land Spinners. So uh, Mark Richards, Philip Lopez, and Nico Morales. So um, 
those are the eight head-to-head matchups that we will see on CBS Sports Network at some point this season. Um, and uh, so, yeah, interested, Anthony, to hear if any of those stick out. Or Michelle, any of those stick out to you as ones you're particularly interested in, in, in watching? What do you think, Mish? Oh, man. All right. So I, I am curious to see how the coasters, you know, I feel like sometimes when everyone's like, oh, that's the team. Like when we saw that Mark Richards and Cheyenne Bubenheim were going to be paired up in that pro invitational, we're like, oh, it's over. It's yeah. over. Right. And so sometimes I feel like the hype can maybe fall a little short. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they do in the actual matchup and, and you know, if the, the maze can give a run for their money. My only thought was is the your division record is critical, right? Depending right. on how you finish in your division is where you make it to the next level. These seem to be over. These weren't specifically division matchups, right? No, they were okay. specifically taken as in interconference, so between across the conference lines. Okay, so you are on going purpose. Okay. So um, and part of the reason for that one to give a little West versus East vibe to them. But also um, for for sponsorship reasons, you know, we're trying to sell sponsorships per conference. So one sponsor may sponsor an entire conference of teams, another one a conference of teams. So they get equal representation on broadcasts. Gotcha. Makes sense. um, And then real quick, national number one, as far as streaming goes, so what you can watch on ACL Cornhole TV, well, the high rollers versus the slingers, the burn versus the maze. The Freeze versus the Marauders, and the Colonels versus the Coasters. So those are additionally four games that we can watch on streaming for the first national of the season. And each national will have four games streamed in addition to the broadcast. So every team is getting an opportunity to appear on one broadcast and on two streams throughout the regular season. So plenty of airtime for a lot of these pros. Cool, cool. That'll be awesome. All right, Trey, you ready for your game? Ah, yes, my favorite game. Your favorite game. Yeah. Maybe I'll let Anthony take over the reins one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing something different this time. So this one, easier question, but I got five of them. And I just want to see how you guys, if you guys know the answer to, like, like, who is the person that blank, right? And it has to do with the most titles ever. Okay? So. Okay. Who has the most – I'm going to keep track. We're going to make this a game between the two of you. Okay? Oh, jeez. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> so who has the most doubles national titles of all time? Most doubles. Doubles nationals of all time. Of all time. Anthony, you go first on this one. So you're posing it as if it can't be – has to be one person because right away you know jamie graham matt guy comes to mind um but you're saying it has to be one one person so yeah that that makes it a little bit more difficult um alternate who goes first so if you want to cheat and listen to the other person you have to alternate to do that i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with matt guy okay oh perfect i was gonna go with jamie graham so michelle is going jamie graham the answer is matt guy with six where's jamie at is Jamie, Jamie, close? Jamie, I believe, is at five. Oh, yeah. So it had Hopefully. to be close. had to be right there. Sorry. He's at uh, four. He's at four. Okay. 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 All right. 
who has the most singles nationals of all time? And, that, uh, and Michelle, you're up first this time. Singles nationals of all time. Uh, I guess I'm going to go Jamie Graham again. Michelle goes Jamie Graham. Anthony? So I have to go Jamie Graham again because I think they're tied or close to tied. And if Matt has the favor in doubles, then Jamie must be picking it up in singles. So I'm going to go with Jamie Graham. You're both wrong. It is Son Matt of guy again. Matt, Matt guy again? again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt guy again. Jamie Graham, uh, you're letting me down. <laughs> yeah. So Matt guy has five singles national wins which is crazy, crazy number. Okay. <clears throat> You're going to get a point for each. Oh, geez. Okay. The, um, well, now there's five total points on this question. Okay. How many singles opens is tied for the most all time? Oh, no, never mind. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin it. There are four players that have the are tied for the most singles opens of all time. They all have three. Can you name the four players that each have sing four singles open wins? Anthony's up first this time. All right. Alex Hicks, Mark Richards, Matt Guy, and there's a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> um Just opens, right? Just open open singles. singles. And, and, it, and women's alone doesn't count, right? Women's alone does not count. Man. Something tells me it's not Jamie Graham. I'm going to go Jamie Graham. Okay. Michelle, you want to guess yours? I was I was agreement in agreement with the first three, but I was I was wondering if Alex Rawls was on that list. All right, you each got the first three correct. You got Matt Guy, Alex Hicks, and Mark Richards correct. The fourth is Josh Holland. Really? Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Okay. Oh, All right, no. who has the most doubles open wins? Michelle, you are first. Double open wins. Uh. Since we were talking about it, I'll go Eric Davis. That's a okay. really good. That's a really good one. All right, I'm gonna go kind of crazy. Not expected. I'm gonna go Ryan Windsor. Not a bad guess. Both wrong. It ah, is Trey, Trey Birchfield. Trey. Oh, Trey Birchfield. Okay. All right, last one. <laughs> Since the formation of a round limited format in 2020, there has been one player who has won a singles round limited format tournament in 2020, 2021, and 2022. In 2021 and 2022, it was the shootout series. The year before that, it was the pro invitational qualifier. Only one player has won a round limited format all three years. Who is it? Wait, Here, what year? Uh, what? Won the whole thing? Or just won a one? A tournament. A tournament. Okay. A shootout. Okay. 
Only one player has won three. Who's up? Who's up first this time? I think it's it was Anthony because I said Eric Davis. Yeah, Anthony. Um, the pro invitational was non pros, right? The pro invitational qualifiers were were well, no, they were all pros. Okay, so then we have to think about who wasn't in the league two years ago. Wait, you said three, so three years ago. Three years in a row. So 2020, 2021, 2022. Did we lose Anthony right before he's about to go? <laughs> oh, he goes okay, back. Am I getting choppy? Um, real quick. I'm going to go with, real quick, I'm going to go with Frank Modlin. Michelle? Ryan Smith? Jamie Graham is the Oh, answer. my God. That's what he comes in. <laughs> Anthony wins. Four to three. Oh, by one, man. by one. It was a close one. <laughs> All right. It is time for our hot takes. Where, what direction are you going here, Trey? Yeah, I'm going to stick with one of the uh, one of the overreactions. I'll say Fisher Hamilton, first rookie off the board in the draft. Hmm. Anthony? I'm going to go with a, a Myrtle Beach one. I feel like I feel like Bella is about to pop off. I feel like her numbers are looking really good. I'm going to say... Isabella Soprenit wins one of the women's singles event in Myrtle Beach. You've got open shootouts, something. She's going to win it. All right. And I'm going to go that Donald Cup gets taken in the, <laughs> let's say, third round. I think we've, we've, oh, we've, we've whoa, put some light on hot. him. Someone's going to oh take him. Oh, my gosh. You went hot. You guys hot. Say, I'm, a, I'm proud you guys of you. You say man. all my takes are cold. There you go. <laughs> the, the Donald. <laughs> Get them while it's hot. All right. That's all we got time for today. We'll see you guys all next time.